I'm Christian, and welcome to the Gemoir Leadership Podcast, a show where we talk about effective collaboration, influence, and leadership in an increasingly complex world. My interview partner is Dr. Dirk Schlimm. Dirk is an international leadership expert and the author of Influencing Powerful People. The purpose of this podcast is to share ideas and stimulate discussion, and it does not constitute professional advice of any kind. If such advice is needed, the services of a competent professional should be sought. The speakers, hosts, and Gemar International Incorporated are not to be held responsible for any use, misuse, or reuse of the content. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Gemoir Leadership Podcast. In today's episode, we are finally getting to talking about the Nordstrom announcement that they will be leaving Canada. As our regular listeners know, we had postponed this episode to talk about the SVB bank crisis last time. So today, we're finally at Nordstrom. Nordstrom, if you don't know, is an American luxury department store chain founded in 1901 in Seattle that is publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange. The company expanded to Canada in 2014. Here in the Toronto area, from where we bring you the Gemoir Leadership Podcast, Nordstrom has opened several stores, including prominent locations at the Eaton Centre in downtown Toronto and Yorkdale Mall, which has built a reputation for being Toronto's ultimate shopping destination, especially if you're looking for a bit of glitz or glamour. The Nordstrom announcement reads as follows. To our Nordstrom Canada customers, while we have enjoyed serving you since 2014, and have built a fantastic team in Canada, we're writing to share that we've made the tough decision to wind down our operations in Canada, closing our 13 Nordstrom and Nordstrom Rack stores and sunsetnordstrom.ca. And as we record this episode, the Nordstrom store closing sale is in full swing. Before we dive into our story today, though, I should have a quick comment to our European listeners who may not be familiar with the North American shopping scene. Nordstrom, the department store, has nothing to do with Nord Stream, the natural gas pipeline under the Baltic Sea, which is now out of operation and has been the source of much controversy around Europe, especially given the German energy security conversation. Okay, with that said, back to Nordstrom. Dirk, why did they leave Canada? Yeah, thanks, Christian. So as you can imagine, the, the news that Nordstrom is leaving Canada was much bigger news here in Canada than it was in the uh, in the United States. So the U.S. business press did pick up the story, but they kept it very brief. And uh, one report simply read that, and, and uh, I quote, and so quote, Nordstrom said they are closing its Canadian stores because the business in that country hasn't been making money. Unquote. So, so from that perspective, a really very simple after answer: We left because we weren't making money, and apparently uh, they were not expecting uh, to make money anytime soon. Thanks, Dirk. We love simple answers here, but we also love digging in and just hearing you say that. It reminds me of our Airbnb episode talking about their departure from China. Sometimes, as a business, you just have to make that tough call, and sometimes we, as managers, have to make our tough calls. Is that what we're supposed to learn from this example with Nordstrom? Yeah, uh, Christian, I think that's one of the lessons for sure. Sometimes hard as it may be, just have to make the tough call in business. And I think that's a lesson we need to be reminded of. Okay, I think we got that. Tough calls have to be made. 
But this story, thinking about it some more, also reminds me of our episode on managing during a downturn. And I'm wondering how much of the Nordstrom decision is a matter of Canada not being a good market for them versus dealing with a difficult business environment globally. That is in Canada, but also in their very home market of the United States. Yeah, Christian, that's a, that's a very good good observation. And, and of course, Nordstrom has to explain the decision to their Canadian customers and the Canadian public, so to speak. And so they have some nice words about the team in Canada, and they have information on returns, credit cards, loyalty points, and 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 so forth. Uh, but you're right; the story had a, a different flavor when uh, they were talking to the shareholders on the New York Stock Exchange. And so the the CEO Eric Nordstrom uh, said that, and I, I I quote again: He said, "We took decisive actions to right size our inventory as we entered the new year, positioning us for greater agility amidst continuing macroeconomic uncertainty." And um, we also made the difficult decision to wind down operations in our Canadian business. And this will enable us to simplify operations and further increase our focus on driving long-term profitable growth in our core business in the U.S., unquote. And, and so the story here to their American uh, shareholders and audience is that, hey, we are dealing with an adverse and uncertain economy, and we're looking at our spending and we are dropping things that don't make us money. We are being decisive when we have to be decisive. Right, Dirk, decisive when they have to be decisive. And just thinking about the ramifications, this would be bad news for the employees, but more than that, you also have to think about the malls that are renting the space and the customers who might've liked shopping at Nordstrom. This is all something they have to deal with. Yeah, uh, and and I think Christian, that's 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 uh, a, a takeaway, and and this is this means that the business environment can turn on you, and then it's often much smarter to take some measures now, even if they're painful measures. Then uh, if you if you wait, and then you may have to take a drastic action uh, later on, and and so when the economy slows down, you must look at how you can preserve cash because cash is oxygen for your business so that you can pay your people, you can be so, so suppliers and lenders and, and, and so on. And, and cash flow matters. And now that we are uh, in a slowdown, uh, some businesses are learning that the hard way. Mm, yeah, Dirk, that reminds me of just last time when we talked about the importance of cash flow and cash flow management as it related to the SVB uh, bank and all that drama. So what do we think about this in our Nordstrom context today? Yeah, I think, uh, Christian, I, I think that the, the awareness and the importance of good financial management for, for any company, I think, is really returning in a in a big way. And 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 so when you're running into uh, economic headwinds, when your company is running into economic headwinds, as, as a manager, now would be a good time to go through and, and really look at where are you spending uh, your money and ask yourself, do I really need to do this? Uh, right now, and and uh, I think it's very important to be transparent about this, and then to involve your entire leadership team in these discussions and in the uh, decisions. This is something facing tough times is something we must do 
together. And that could be mean that we defer some projects. So for example, uh, Amazon has announced that they're pausing uh, the building of their second headquarter that was in the news uh, 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 recently. This could mean that we have to be much more careful uh, with our hiring. And again, we do see still see a lot of news about staff reduction in the tech industry where, where companies had hired too many people too quickly or like the cases here in our Nordstrom discussion, it may mean that we have to exit a project that doesn't have a prospect of making us money and that does not offer any other strategic value to us. Interesting, Dirk. So are you saying in this context that there was no strategic value for Nordstrom being in Canada? Yeah, so I must say I can't really answer that, and and mm. obviously not enough value for them at this this time. But but one thing I, I I I will say is that Toronto is a very diverse city, and the York uh, Dale Mall is somewhat of an inter international uh, shopping uh, destination. I just recently last weekend a visitor from Europe asked me, "Hey, where where is that mall again?" And they wanted to go and visit there. And 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 so when you go to York Yorkdale Mall, you you actually have a spot where where premium brands can test consumer tastes across a wide variety of people with different backgrounds in in one spot because the, the people who come there Toronto is so uh so uh diverse and and so as an aside I've actually heard that the owners of the mall are not too worried to find new tenants uh, for the Nordstrom space but you know things are moving very fast these days and SVB uh, bank has really had a big impact on how people feel about the economy and their prospects. So, so I guess it's a bit of speculation uh, right now. Mm, okay, thanks, Dirk. So just to recap, we discussed that what Nordstrom did and um, why they had to do it. And I think we just started digging a bit into strategy here as well. So now let's dig a bit deeper. Let me ask you what might be an easy or a hard question and hopefully one that bridges some themes. Was it really the right decision for Nordstrom to even enter the Canadian market in the first place? Just again, thinking back and bridging themes, as we discussed in our episode before, this was not the first American retailer to come to Canada and then leave. So is this really the case of getting ready for the coming economic storm? Or was this just a simple strategy mistake from the outset? Yeah, yeah, Christian, that really is a, a very good uh, question. And, and so first of all, you're right in that Cana the Canadian business press and Canadian management experts, they, they really pointed out uh, things like Nordstrom not being Canadian uh, enough or not having the required understanding of the differences between uh, Toronto and Vancouver and, and, and things like that, that. And so, so this would go uh, more to the idea that this was more of a strategy problem, not an economic environment problem. Right, Dirk. That, that's helpful context, but we love hearing about management experts, but you're our expert here. Do you think they're right? Yeah, so I will say I really, I really don't know because mm. it's it's always a lot easier to evaluate things in, in hindsight or from the sidelines. And and we know that every entrepreneurial decision comes with, with risk. And and what I will say here is that uh, Americans are often much more likely uh, to take a risk compared to, let's say, Europeans or even Canadians. Uh, and I think overall that works well for uh, for for the Americans, even if sometimes we 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 don't like the outcome. Derek, it sounds like we might be saying. Like, is there anything that we can learn on the strategy front from this? We're we're trying to get practical here. 
Yeah, no. So, Christian, so and and sorry, and and what I what I I, I guess I should say is that just because I'm not here uh, to criticize Nordstrom, it still can serve as a good uh, reminder that you want to have some rigor in your strategic decision making because while business can be too risk averse. Uh, sometimes uh, there are also really strong biases that may push us to take on things that are just not thought through well enough. Right. So to use an expression, we don't want to be, or we are going into it half-baked. Yeah, exactly. That that That's a problem that, that often happens. Okay. Got it, Dirk. So just thinking about that then, what are the questions that we should be asking? Yeah, uh, I think, first of all, it's always important to to have a plan. And I mean to have a real plan. Don't go in with a with a high-level idea and, and lots of enthusiasm. Have the discipline to make a plan. And, and then especially uh, when you have to make a big or a relatively big go-no-go no go decision like Nordstrom in 2014, should I or should I not enter the Canadian market that 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 was the questions then 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 ask yourself some some real questions before you make that decisions okay Dirk give us some examples of what would be a first question we could ask yeah so the the, the first question we should ask given the the biases that people uh, typically have would be am I overconfident mm, okay so can we unpack that a bit here what do you mean by that yeah so so you can just see how an American company that's entering uh, the Canadian market could think, hey, you know, we have a great business in the United States. The Canadians are our neighbors. They uh, speak the same language, <laughs> at least most of them. Um, they have similar tastes and and so forth. And and so there are other high end and international uh, consumer brands that are doing uh, well in Canada. And so this should work well. Um, and again, I don't know whether they ask themselves all those critical questions, but we must realize that as a general principle, overconfidence or overexcitement is a real thing. And someone should have the job to question the, the go, no-go confidence. And, mm. and so again, one reality is that Canadian consumers uh, just don't have the same purchasing power as, as Americans and that the market is just a lot smaller. And so, yes, the, the countries have many, many similarities, but then they're also quite different and you have to be ready for that difference. Dirk, that sounds like great advice already that we could apply in a lot of situations. But let me ask you another question here. If I look at all the possible downsides and all the possible challenges, would that not sometimes leave me so discouraged that I just straight up miss a big opportunity? Yeah, Christian, for sure, in, in some uh, ways. And so let me just give you an example. The other day, I was talking to a business person and asked him, hey, what, what business are you in? And, and they told me uh, their business, which was really a, a mainstream type of, of business. But then they told me that they also had just bought a sports team. And I said, wow, wow. Uh, you know, that that's amazing. And the gentleman said, yeah, uh, I really had no idea what I was getting myself into and had I known everything that is involved, I would not have done it. But of course, now he loved it anyway, right? And and so uh, uh, that that can happen, uh, right? But but on on balance, I still think that planning is a much much better way, and especially if you're operating with other people's monies, like shareholders' money or or bank loans, right? So you really want to have you really want to have a strong plan. 
Right, Dirk. And if I'm understanding what you're saying here, what you're telling us is that business people who are builders and entrepreneurs, they're already more likely to be very confident and very optimistic because that's just their nature. And we need that conf uh, confidence and that optimism to create energy. But then on the other side, there's still a chance that they are too optimistic or too confident. And just think about that. What can we do here to find some balance? Yeah, and, and this is really what we've been, been talking about. And, and so maybe what I would add here is that you have, very practically speaking, you have a good strategy uh, um, process where you just listen to more people and that it's actually somebody's job to point out the downside. And again, that's their job. It's what's expected from them. And so we don't look at them as being negative or, or buzzkill. This is the person who has a job to look at the downside and make that part of the decision-making process and the planning for this venture. Dirk, that sounds good. I think people really need a person like that. Anything else that we could think about here? Yeah, I, I think if you if you have a a, a great idea, uh, but but you're not sure, that then you have the problem that that you really don't want to plan this thing to death, so to speak. Right, Dirk. And you and I were chatting before. We we referred to this as paralysis by analysis. Yeah, and 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 that really is the counterpoint to 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 good good planning, if um if if, if you will. And so the other thing that management experts talk about is that if you don't want to waste your time with all kind of excessive, let's say, planning exercises, then what you can do is you can keep it small first rather than you know taking the go big or go home uh, approach right away so so practically speaking here when you enter a new market you could just go in with one store first or in one small area first and you can learn from that experience and then you can then adjust right or you find out very quickly that things were different than you expected after all and think about Nordstrom it would be a lot easier to close one store rather than 13 yeah, that's 100% right. Derek, that makes a lot of sense. And I could see that applying on all sorts of levels of management and leadership. Okay, so any other strategic pitfalls, in addition to being too confident in our capabilities or too optimistic about how things may unfold? Well, the, the other thing that I would point out here is something that's called competition neglect. Competition neglect. That sounds interesting. What do you mean? Yeah. So, so again, let's a good example here, right? So, if you think about an American company that's entering the Canadian market, and and uh, you know some of some of them um, have done so again very very successfully, but but others uh, not so successfully. And what it's uh, has taught us though is that competition can be a very good thing. Hey, Dirk, you're going to have to explain that to me. Yeah. So so. Just specifically here, well, when when there is an announcement in in, in Canada, it happens uh, quite a bit actually that an American company is coming into the market. The uh, Canadian companies that that are already here, they know that they have to pull up their socks, uh, so to speak. Right? They 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 need to offer their customers a better experience. They just have to fight harder uh, for their business, or they have to really play up the hometown. Uh, angle. So, for example, that was like this big story you might have heard it, uh, on ketchup um, that's you know made with Canadian tomatoes, and 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 so they're they're playing this up, and so it just means they're realizing, boy, we've got competition now, and they're starting to to run a better and stronger business, and that's just 
great for for Canadian consumers and Canadian customers. Right, Dirk. And I, I understand that why Canadian consumers and customers will be excited about that. But what could managers learn from this? Yeah, but so what we learned from this is that that companies that are excited about new plans, new markets, new products, and so forth, they they get so excited that they don't factor in that the competition is not standing still either, and and that is the phenomenon phenomenon that we call competition neglect. The competitors will do stuff also; they have plans also, and and that's something we need to be very very aware of. Right, and that something is something people need to factor into our own planning as well and make that part of our very own internal discussions. Christian, that, that, that's, that, that's exactly right. That would really be the, the, the third point that I would take away from all of this. Wonderful, Dirk. And you know how I love three points. So I think we have those three points, which are really good. So let's bring it to a close here and let me recapitulate some of our points. So firstly, the Nordstrom Canada decision is a good reminder that in tough times, businesses have to make tough decisions and better sometimes to make them sooner as opposed to later. A second point here is that when we make strategic plans for growth and expansion, it is easy to get carried away by overconfidence or unbridled optimism. We need a process that keeps us on the ground of reality and helps us evaluate and plan more rigorously. A third and final point is, while there is the saying, go big or go home, one option in the face of uncertainty is to go in with a trial balloon and to follow up quickly when we see success or to adapt or to fold when we see things turning out quite differently than we had hoped. How does that sound? Christian, that sounds great to me. Wonderful, Dirk. I'm glad. And I'm very glad that we had this conversation just on current events as we've been doing for the past couple episodes. So as always, uh, if people are interested, we'll have some links to some articles discussing these events as they unfold down below. So please, we encourage you, check out that source material. But as always, we want to form a bit of a community here. So we always appreciate your comments, your questions that you can send in on our page. Or if you are watching on YouTube, you can leave a comment there. But wherever you're watching or listening, we appreciate a, a review. Let us know how we're doing and share the podcast. Get other people in the conversation. That's what we're all about here making things practical for leaders and managers. So we hope that you'll join us again in a couple of weeks when we'll explore another topic.